podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, Minson breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run. Yen Minson from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another New Space Order pod. Another New Space Order where I myself, X-Pac, will be a host and joined by two people who are beefing just before I went live about who should be picked in the starting lineup for Touchline 11s, but... We'll, we'll get into it now. First up, yeah, Bruce Basia, aka Scott Hall. How are you? I'm fine. Um, yeah, actually, life has been very good since I stopped watching football. Uh, uh, I think I'll keep it this way. It's quite, it's quite peaceful. <laughs> it's actually very peaceful. Look at the life. Life is good. Life is really good. <laughs> life is really good. I'm not even. I'm actually in a good mood. This is. A, hey, I'm telling you, life is good. Yeah, well, that's, that's that's a good start. Tops, aka Booker T, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, bro. Uh, I'm good. Um, never like completely happy when it comes to all big Spurs, but at this point, I'm just uh, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here, man. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, I forgot to even ask before we even went live and started this recording. But yeah, did you even watch our, our latest game against Man City? I did actually. I watched. Uh, I didn't watch it live. I uh, rewatched it, um, which obviously I had different. I had a different view of it because I didn't watch it live. So <laughs> um, I already knew the results. So I kind of sat there comfortably watching it. Uh, but I, I, there's a few things I, I can talk about um, about that game in particular. Okay, uh, well, I'll set the tone and I'll um, understand we're losing you quite soon. So I'll come to you first, Yal. To, to set the tone a little bit, Man City's lineup again was a dysfunctional one. I think those who were watching it live thought, okay, this actually suits us because they didn't start Laporte, Diaz, De Bruyne, Gondogan. Went for like a kind of makeshift, well, not makeshift, I think you've actually played this lineup a fair bit this season, or the, the personnel at least. With like a Kanji Ake um, as part of the set back pairing, Rico Lewis and Carl Walker. Then they have Rodri, Bernardo Silva. Um, was it Mares? I'm not going to miss out a player, but screw it. Mares, Grealish, uh, Harland, and Alvarez. Um, obviously, Edison and Goal. But yeah, they went for some kind of split striker. 
uh, system, I guess, to maybe try and reinvigorate Haaland. But um, just talk to me how, I guess, that first half played out. I think the first half played into our hands, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but I don't think that was more on how City came out. Um, I think that it played into our hands because we knew what City were going to do. We City played the same way, regardless of who the personal are or the formation is. We know what they want to do as a team. Um, and so in that first half and what would happen for the rest of the game, really, I noticed that obviously we were pushing Dyer into the midfield uh, when we was not in possession, therefore creating a weird kind of four at the back, two and a one, where Dyer was like the lone DM when we were trying to recover the ball. And so when City would try and beat the press, instead of having to deal with, say, one midfielder or even two, depending on who was press triggering, they had to actually deal with the, the two main centre midfielders and couldn't go past us because Dyer was in that pocket where they would have normally just popped the ball around and the players free. Um, and I think that worked to treat. I think they literally played, as you said, I think they literally played into our hands, um, hilariously. Uh, but City are our ground. I don't know what, what we have over them. But Jesus, like, they, these men haven't scored in like five... Five home games. That's a long time to not score our opponent's ground. To not score. Forget not winning. Just to not score. They haven't scored in five attempts. You know, so... Ah, well. <laughs> and I thought I jinxed it, mentioned it last week, that they hadn't scored in four games at our stadium, and yet they, they didn't even score again, despite this this best strike in the Premier League. This is like the third uh, one nil we've had over them at the stadium as well. Yeah, they can hold that. And I'll move on to you as well, Tops. So I was just going to get your thoughts on the first half because for all... I get like I had to watch the game back as well. I didn't get to watch it live and I watched it back a few hours ago. And I can't like... I feel like... On top of what Yao said, I feel like City played into our hands. I don't think we were particularly... I don't think we were great. Yeah. When I think about the game, I've not managed to watch it again, which has annoyed me a little bit because I've not seen it from like a TV, TV perspective. But from being there, there were three things that I kind of, at the end of the first half, I kind of accepted. Um, the first thing is that we were just happy to see possession. Um, we gave them a lot of um, time on the ball to kind of, you know, do what City do, really. And by saying that, I mean, they're very good at keeping possession, recycling possession, moving possession from side to side. And then if, it, if they can get it into wide areas, then usually with Grealish, Mares, they have players that can cause <clears throat> problems. I think the way we set up for the game is how we've kind of set up against them in the past. But the first thing that I really thought was quite good was that out of possession, everything that we did was working extremely hard to cover a lot of the spaces that City kept trying to kept trying to feed the ball into uh, through the midfield. I felt like um, when it got to the wings, the midfielders really 
did well at supporting uh, the fullbacks, covering a lot of the passing lines into Haaland, and then basically allowing them to have very few quick combinations amongst Rodri, amongst uh, amongst Rico Lewis, amongst Mares, and amongst Grealish. And effectively, you know, that kind of stopped them from getting a lot of the ball into Haaland, which we can talk about at another point. Um, I did think another thing that I think was really important was, and I don't know, it depends how people look at this, but I thought Cuti Romero's role in in almost stifling Haaland initially, I thought it was it was smart. Cootie being a very front-pressing sort of defender, he's very, very good at letting you know he's there. And that first challenge that Haaland received from Cootie, I think he ended up getting booked over it, was something to kind of let him know, listen, today you ain't getting the ball with your back to goal and there's no way I'm going to give you any time, any space. We know how dogged, we know how aggressive Cootie is. And actually, I actually think about 75% of the time, his decision-making is good. And obviously, that 25% is what kind of led to him being sent off. But generally, his defensive actions and actually the volume of them to kind of keep Haaland away from the away from our goal was actually very important. And I think it was kind of key in the general game, obviously up until he, he got sent off. Um, and the third thing that I think that we, we did really well, which I, again, I know it sounds so basic, but it's so important in terms of when you go into these big games against top six teams is that in the box, we defended doggedly. We we defended so well in the box and actually we were able to pack the box, not only with our defenders, but with the midfielders that were needed to make it very difficult to allow them to get the ball into the, the wide areas because we know City, they're not really across inside. So they're going to always try and move the ball into into wide areas to then dribble themselves into areas to create attacking attacking options in the box. And actually, every time it came into the box, they met Dyer. Every time they came into the box, they they met they met uh, Royale. Every time they came into the box, they met uh, even uh, Davies, who I thought was excellent. Who thought was excellent in parts was. of that, that, that first half. So I felt like. Three of those things, in my opinion, uh, were really, really important. And actually, although I, when I looked at it and it was halftime, I didn't think we played amazing. I didn't think we played amazing, but then there was some stuff that I'll, I can talk about later in the second half, which kind of edged it for me. And to be honest with you, we are very lucky as well that we have a player or we have players in Kane and Son who are literally high XG performers or over XG performers. So given the few chances that we generally create as a team over the last few years at Tottenham, these are guys that actually, when the opportunity arises, we want the ball falling to them. And even when you look at the chance, really good press from uh, Hoiberg to nip it and actually to lay on the assist. Kane doesn't even hit the ball well, but it's enough and it's quick. A quick enough strike to be able to offset any standing that Edison would have to set himself. And obviously we, we went one to one Touche. Um, I definitely agree with you in the sense that we were really good in that press and shuttling across the close space, whether it be higher up the pitch or even just in like a deeper block. 
I think it was excellent, but I'm, I was trying to throughout, like throughout rewatching it, I was trying to get myself in the frame of reference of watching it live, and I kind of thought that I, some of our transitions, our counter attacks, just kept on breaking down unnecessarily for me. It was just that final part of the move, while we created the opening, just to create a good chance on goal. It was just lacking for me. And that, and on top of the inconsistent referee, like for whatever reason, he was just refusing to book Man City players, despite like Rio yeah. could have easily got one. Rico Lewis could have easily got one. Alvarez could have got one. He was he made such odd decisions. Odd deci- in that first half, he just didn't want to give us anything. The first opportunity that he could, he gave Romero a, a yellow card. The first opportunity he could to Benton, he gave him a yellow card. There that was so soft things. as well. And that there were happened. Lots of I think things in that first half that he just didn't seem to he didn't seem I wouldn't say he didn't control the game well but they just he was allowing very very yellow cardable offenses to go just 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 to be he was just ignoring them and then the first opportunities he could the fans got on his back and obviously he 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 gave yellow cards to Benton I don't know man sometimes yeah. the refereeing, refereeing in this league is so inconsistent it's not even worth getting into. That it. was around the time I think Rico Lewis just ended up laying on the ball because he knew he was about to lose it. And then we actually got the ball back. We went to counter and then the referee just gave a drop ball. Um, so yeah, there was a few odd decisions. And I was thinking like, we are absorbing too much pressure here just for lack of just being able to create consistent chances. Because I thought we, we had enough openings to create more. But there was some weird decision making at times especially from Perisic who's I see past him is I think a bit off on the day there was a chance oh, where Boy, yeah, it could was, have, no, I, mean, you, I think you're being kind just well. could have recycled it out wide um, there was that transition towards the end where Sun just carried it and then took a shot when it was like a three on four and then Hoybier ended up taking a shot afterwards um, yeah, uh, I think even though we outshot City, I didn't see us as enough of a threat to ideally be looking to keep a lead. But I see, yeah, we'll uh, pass it over to you to see how he closed out the game. Obviously, after Kane got his record-breaking uh, 267th uh, goal for Spurs, which makes him a highest ever goal scorer. I'm sure you were passing about that. Um, and yeah, just how the game played out for, I guess the second half and onwards for you. Well done to Kane to get in the record. Um, you were mentioned off. on the main pod quite a lot as well, by the way, this past week of uh, talking about Kane. Was I? Yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Meads. Yeah, Meads uh, mentioned quite that. a bit, yeah. I think yeah, he was yeah. in agreement with it, or I don't know if he just found it amusing or he was in agreement with it or both. But yeah, it was mentioned. What, that I get onto Kane? Yeah, yeah, no, he didn't, I think he some didn't of your disagree. Takes, some of your takes in the past on Kane. Yeah. I, I don't think you see the thing is I'll I'll round this because I, I, I do think you know he's done well to get 267 goals. That's not no feat that we can um insult. But my take on Kane is it's never going to be about the fact that he, we know he's a great goal scorer. We actually know that nobody can take that away from him. the record speaks for itself. We know he's a great goal scorer. That's not what makes me mad about him. What makes me mad is moments. It's literally that. that like these are the the difference makers in your career. Literally, you know, it's, it's for all your two hundred and sixty-seven goals. 
the most iconic goal that anyone's gonna point out is the one against Arsenal from the corner. He's, he's and he's had some quality goals in that two hundred, but that's that's the most iconic one because it was in a derby. And you know, you, you what you don't have one in a final, you don't have one in a in a semi final. You don't. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, all right, cool, well done. You got the record now. Now focus on trying to get a trophy. You know, just end up keeping people quiet. In terms of the game, though, those last few chances that we created, the Son one, I, I'm I'm going to mention the two, the two main ones. The Son one, I'll tell you what I was, at, I, at first I wasn't even upset when he took the shot and, you know, Edison parried it and then Kane lapped onto it and Hoibjörg went for this uh, makeshift volley from from Denmark, don't know why he did that, but okay. Um, but on second review, I was like, Son, Son deserves to get punched up. He deserves to get beaten up. You've done nothing remotely of any sort of respect this season to have the audacity to be shooting from that foot. You better lay that off and run into the box and hope that that ball returns to you. Yeah, how how dare he? have the audacity to be shooting like he's been shooting in previous seasons. What a liar. Yeah. He probably cried after he saw Edison save it anyway. So that's what annoys me even more. But the chance that actually annoyed me the most, the, the break that pissed me right off. Ball goes into Hoibjerg. And, and it would be Hoibjerg to freaking get the ball trapped underneath his feet. Such he's such a crap player. He is awful. Yeah, gets the ball trapped underneath his feet. Finally readjusts himself. Obviously, we know he's got no pace, so he's not going to outrun nobody. Freaking realizes, oh, he's getting caught up. Perisic is to the left of you, with the whole of Seven Sisters Road free, free. Even if Perisic is offside, that is the option. Take it. Not Hoybjerg. He decides to pass it blindly, by the way. I don't want nobody to tell me he saw Emerson running. Yeah, he didn't. He passes the ball blindly to his right. And he doesn't even give it enough juice for Emerson to actually beat the defender to the ball. For the love of God, remove this guy from my team. I've had enough of Hoybjerg. I thought he had an okay game. I thought he could have, he can have as a million okay games. Delete him. He doesn't need to be in our squad no more. Guy's rubbish. Awful. Crap player. <laughs> fair, fair. It, no, it, it, it kind of sounds like you're pining for him to play against AC <clears throat> Milan in the group chat. But no. Interestingly, I, 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 thought, I thought he was one of our, I thought he was one of our best players on the day. Yeah. Um, the reason I say so is because I felt like, for once, um, his defensive responsibilities actually it actually seemed to work. Um, he was pressing in the right areas and winning, and you know, being successful in some of his recoveries. Um, and also, as well, he was helping massively in a lot of different transitions. Um, he got the assist for the goal as well. Um, I thought his game management at the end was particularly good. Yeah, like he... yeah. I, I, I think he's such a. 
I don't know. I won't say he's a polarizing character for Spurs because I feel like he isn't. I feel like um, he had a role under Jose, and maybe that role has ceded now because we require more from someone in a, in a, in a double pivot. But yeah, I can I can give him um, you know the game on uh, Sunday against City. Yeah, I thought he'd done all right. Uh, I thought the yeah, second that's half. Nice. That's nice. The second half was a funny one because. Uh, whilst we continue to be very, very good defensively, City, who you know, they, they didn't seem to create very much, but it was odd. Um, the role that they give um, Rico Lewis as this, yeah. this inside midfielder uh, fullback was odd, in my opinion, because there were lots of moments that it allowed uh, Kulusevski to, to really have an open sort of run um, at that right side, which you know, weirdly, disappointingly, he didn't really take advantage of. Um, but then also, because of that, it does two things. It forces uh, Grealish to either do some defending or it forces Nathan Ake over across. So it stretches them. Um, and that's one thing that we did get some joy is that we constantly stretch them in transition. Like, I, I was absolutely baffled at the, the amount of transitions we were able to we were able to 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 take on city especially from moments where we had won the ball centrally a lot of the time or we had maybe taken it from uh Grealish on that right side from Emerson but you know the rate at which we were able to break on these guys I, it was it was kind of baffling to me and i thought like one of them we would probably take we would probably take uh we would probably be able to score from but Annoyingly, like we didn't, but I felt like towards the end we kind of controlled it in a way that I was happy with. Uh, I felt like even towards the end, our pressing didn't really seed. I felt like uh, mm. we kind of kept up the intensity. I did kind of think maybe he was gonna bring, he was gonna bring on um, Richarlison because you know Son, who I haven't been a big fan of. I felt like he looked more like himself in the game, whereby he, you know, he was getting the ball in good areas, uh, r- running off the final man, you know, in wide areas, dribbling. But then I kind of felt that with Charleston, this would be a good game to really just run at them because we were getting so much joy with the transitions. But you know, uh, Romero getting sent off probably changed a lot of things. Uh, we ended up, you know, bringing on Sanchez, ended up bringing on Seth. Ended up bringing on Basuma. Um, it was a funny one. Like, um, to hold out and, you know, to continue this weird hoodoo against City is positive. But, uh, again, it, like, I, 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 I'm so confused as to where this team is going and what they're doing. Is, is this a flash in the pan because it's City? Is this what we will kind of look like moving forward? Is it just a one-off? Because you know, largely at home as well, we've not we've not been great, especially the last six, seven games. We've not been great. So, yeah, that's fair. Um, it's just to kind of say why I thought Koibet did okay and why he was good with this game manager at the end. Like there was um, there was a time just after Romero got sent off. Um, let's see, he got sent off for a nice little challenge on um. On Grealish, which you could say was instigated by Gobiers' missed interception, but oh, it was. It was. not to digress. Um, yeah, it was, it was. Just, just be, 
just be. <laughs> Not I mean, long after Romero well. got sent off, we um, I think they had a free kick and then Hoiberg took it to the face and then he made sure to go down. Nice little face injury or head injury. Can't milked it for all it was worth and then he won a um a really good free kick like the 92nd 93rd minute it was really cheap as well like he literally just stuck his leg between my city players one and just went down got the free kick and um helped close the game out which is what emerson real was doing as well but um man like i say about hoybiad like that emerson real probably had man of the match um yeah yeah. It's mental. <laughs> yeah. It's mental. Poro breathing down his neck and then he pulls out an all timer performance against uh against mainly Grealish. Like the amount of times they were just fouling each other was ridiculous. It's a funny one, like sometimes it's it's so odd to me, like what it does for for, for footballers, like you know, this whole time you know, uh, Spence wasn't playing. Um, Doherty's kind of been up and down in terms of his form. And uh, it's very strange how, like, suddenly, you know, the signing of a £48 million starter can can somehow force you, or not force you, but almost uh, just put a rocket, you know, up your backside and... And uh, force you to kind of perform. Like I, I sometimes, I, I I don't, I just don't know when it comes to Emerson. When I when I watch him, I feel like this type of game defensively is what he actually prefers, and it's upsetting because we need him to perform as a fullback, or sorry, a wingback. So as a wingback, I need him to kind of be offering something on both sides. But in these type of games where it's kind of backs against the wall. We're kind of gonna have. We're happy to give up possession. He seems to perform well in these games. He does actually perform well in these games. And like you know, being there watching him, you know, he didn't give anything. Didn't give anything apart from that foul towards the end, uh, which I think he may or may not have been booked for. Um, he really didn't give anything to Grealish, and Grealish, you know, he, he got packed in. He got packed in a bit, yeah, you know, like by Emerson. So it's it's a strange one. He, you know, recoveries, challenges, clearances, interceptions, all of his numbers, they were all up. It was a it was an interestingly, surprisingly good performance, to be honest. Was he your man of the match as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. he was. He was the man of the match. Oibjerg wasn't good. Fair enough. <laughs> That's that's all you <laughs> really mean, needed to say, really. Um, really, really. Okay, yeah, moving on then. Um, nice little one they'll win. Caesar, so let's see within striking distance of fourth again with, I guess, what you could call a favourable run of fixtures in the Premier League coming up. Um, as long as we can kind of get through March unscathed. Um, did anyone see Levy's little piece with BT Sport? No, what did he say? No, I've got it recorded, but I've not seen it. It's what it's about half an hour long, is it? Yeah, I mean they they kind of just started with the beginning and when he took over and kind of what the vision was, and then just kind of topped it off with a lot of the quotables you would have seen probably on the timeline on Spurs Twitter. 
Okay. He's saying about how he wants the team to now win trophies. Now they're in a position to sustain success. This is to paraphrase, obviously, um, that he can buy the best players that he can afford for the manager. Um, yeah, little things like this. And just speaking of his pride for the whole Northumberland project, not just the stadium as a whole, and just kind of echoing his um, intention to support the community as a whole, not just the the club and the stadium. Um, I guess it's come at a good time for him, a little bit of positive PR after the whole January transfer window debacle and the Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust having their questions about the club direction answered in a somewhat kind of condescending tone. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But um, he put a lot, well, a fair bit of positive prop up for himself. Not, not saying I believe it, but he does come across... I think he intends to come across passionate about Spurs and has their best intentions at heart. Um, I, I'm still, I'm still looking for actions to speak uh, louder than the words. To be fair, but if he, yeah, if it was he, just interesting just to see his face. <laughs> if he takes a slap from twenty of our fans. And I believe that he he cares about. Sports. I'm not sure he can take 20 slaps. To be fair, he's he's shorter <laughs> than me. All right, then make it 120. <laughs> I, I just I just find it. I don't know. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Like the t- the timing of it all as well. Because oh, the timing is deliberate. You you know like, I, I, I I in many respects like, and I'm just playing devil's devil's advocate here. In many respects, he probably feels like. He's doing his job and he's doing what he thinks is in the club's best interest from a business perspective. And actually, um, especially with the backlash from the, the Tottenham Hotspurs, Hotspurs supporters trust um, and the response that they got back from the club, it probably is, you know, in a moment where he has to make it feel as if he is still the face of the club and he is accountable and he maybe wants to try and explain a lot of it because maybe people might have taken that uh, response from THST um, in a negative way, and especially after being, you know, dragged into the, the Poro deal and then after the, the win against Man City. It all just feels uh, it all just feels too good to be true. Uh, I can't truly trust this man because, you know, after 20, however many years at, at the top of the club, ugh. It doesn't ring. It doesn't ring true enough for me. Uh, there's been more cases of him not doing what he's saying he's currently, or let's say, if we take out the last four or five years, there's there's more evidence of him not having done what he said in that period of time than there is for the whole time he's been at Spurs. So for him to come out and say that, yeah, if you're talking about now, sure, I can give you that. But I can't say the same for the remainder of the 15, 16 years where there's been clear need for investment in the team and it just there just hasn't. I think I think one of the things that annoys me the most about uh, Levy is this has come out not too long after the fans were singing get out of our club. Like, what, what do you think all of this? Like, listen, there are fans, there are Spurs fans out there that think he's the second coming of Christ. Yeah? 
They think, oh, because he gave us a shiny new stadium, man, and he invested so much money in the club, and he got us Romero, you know. <laughs> He's amazing. Daniel Levy is a virus. Yeah. He is he is the viruses you used to get on your PC computer. Then you'd go down to the shop, buy Norton or McAfee. It'll clean up the virus for one day. And that bloody bastard will be right back the following week. He needs to go. I'm making a stand right now to a few of my brothers from the Middle East. Listen, my Qatari brothers, inshallah. Brothers, please. Bish me Allah, bro. Please. Yeah, come to North London. Come to Spurs, inshallah. Allah, bro. Please, brother. Yeah, come save us. Please. Yeah. To, uh, to God be the glory, please. Yeah, I want to see. I don't even mind if I see Kane in the little robe that they put around Messi. Let that happen. Be let it happen. I've had enough of Levy. I've had enough. Get him out of my club. Get him out. The guy's a liar. You think because he went and got poro over the, the I ain't got no time for it. Get him out of my club yesterday. I don't want him there no more, bruv. Him. Hoybeard, Dyer, and Dyer's brother. Get them all out, bro. None of them can do anything for this club. None of them. So, how I've kind of seen it and judged it is not, I mean, not just this interview alone, but I guess just how he's wanting to run the club. I think since the new stadium's opened, he has wanted to try and help Spurs win, but just gone about it in the worst way, Lloyd. The hiring of I see Mourinho after Poch, which I thought at the time would have been great, and their scouting wasn't good. We didn't have anyone kind of looking after the football operations side, which I say I think any even kind of levy supporter could admit, like you just can't you can't be dealing with football operations, not heavily anyway. Um there's been changes to that recently, like um, since the stadium's opened, we obviously got rid of Mourinho after spending a relatively large amount of money for Spurs anyway. Um, now we've hired Conte on these wages that he's on. We've got a sporting director who may or may not be here for that much longer because he's going to be in football jail, maybe. But we've seen an overhaul okay. of... We've seen an overhaul of the scouting uh, backroom team as well as the playing staff. There's been a high number amount of outfield players bought. Hopefully we keep this sporting director and we hopefully keep a manager in Conte for a bit longer, even just a bit past this season, who's practically had, well, practically and figuratively had his foot on Levy's neck the whole time he's been in charge with the intention just to win and make this club as successful as possible. So I feel like we're on the right track now. But again, I still understand fans' frustrations and supporters' trust fund like, frustrations at this, like, the sheer flip-flapping of the club strategy, especially ever since uh, the stadium has opened. Um but we'll just see if that carries on. Like there was a sponsorship announced from uh, South Africa Tourism, which was for something like 
45 million. Um, I think that's been pulled now, though, because, yeah, uh, yeah because of the country not being too happy about it, they've decided to pull out. So I think that deal was sort of like worth over twice as much as our current one is. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that and see what happens with the next uh, few months in the summer and even further along. Um, it'd be especially interesting if Conte does end up leaving, but it, it's too hard to see what will happen at this point. Um, without waffling too much, I just hope if uh, if Paratici does get banned, that we do get another um, another body in this place to to run the football football operations side of it because I think that's I think that's crucial to us moving forward. I, I can't. I think there's someone who they've actually already got in um, in their scouting team, whether it be uh, a Greta Steinson or I think the guy's name who's the uh, head of methodology is Simon Davis, but not the ex-Spurs, Simon Davis. Um, there's a guy they brought in from Rangers whose name I've forgotten, or maybe even someone like Luis Campos, <laughs> uh, another big name, but even the... <sighs> I was going to say Paul Mitchell, that would have been a laugh, but someone, someone who's adequate at their job and in football operations. Michael Edwards might be looking for a job ex Liverpool. So, yeah, someone. Okay. Someone who's adequate. Was you about to, to add to that, or was you just questioning no, no, no. who we know. can get? That's a good list. Uh, I'd like Paul Mitchell to come back, but we burned that bridge. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. For further context, for those who might be listening and don't understand why the ball, uh, the bridge with Paul Mitchell got burnt is essentially he wanted to sign Sadio Mane. Uh, Levy said no for a difference of, I think it was just a few, um, like 10, 20 grand in wages and a couple million pounds. Said no to Mane and got Sissoko instead. So, yeah, pretty understandable. Jesus Christ, I've had enough. Yeah, them guitar, these Qatari brothers. They. I didn't actually want to bring it up, but we better listen to this pod immediately. If this investment, gone. If this investment is to come in, yeah, we need it to happen ideally this summer, because FFP rules are getting a bit stricter, which is why I think I guess Chelsea are doing all the splashing out now because it's I think it's like ninety percent of your revenue you can spend so obviously 90 percent relative to your revenue and that goes gradually down so from 24 25 season you can spend 70 percent yeah relative to your revenue which is i think what um i think there was a bit in this statement to the tottenham Hotspur uh tottenham Hotspur supporters trust yeah something to suggest that's when we're going to really look to kick on and peak what so to speak Next season 24 25 as in, like, when other teams can't really spend as much relative to their revenue, well, as much as us, essentially, other than, I guess, City, who kind of inflate their own revenue. Um, when, when half of the good players are already gone. Yeah, sure. Spurs are going to splash out on James Ward-Prowse. Jesus, I've had enough. I've had in his 30s by then. Relax, relax. Bro, he, but he'll be close to it. He will come to this club and we will spend £25 million. 
No, I still think our, our our revenue will go up. I'm not. I'm. I'm in no way. I'm in no way worried about that. The football revenue will go up. The outside football stuff will obviously go up. Like I'm. I'm not worried about that. So, it's if it puts us in a, if it puts us in a better position, then let, then we're just gonna have to wait at the moment. We were trying to work out our match day revenue last week, and oh, it must have been about eight hundred grand. I yeah, think it's I mean, gotta be think, a couple I think million. The match day revenue is on Premier League games. It's like seven hundred fifty to eight hundred, and on the Champions League games, it's like eight hundred to a million. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. I think it's it's got to be more than that though. Surely you got like, okay, no, sixty-two thousand well, people. Say say on average, own. everyone gets at least two, like on average, two drinks, and that's like up to two hundred and forty k alone. And this isn't including like the price of the the tickets and the food and whatever else. I think last season though, I mean, we made in total. We made, I think, 24 or 25 million from match day. Sounds about right. Yeah, fair enough. So, if you if you if you're going off the average of about 800,000 19 home, 19 home games, and I think of all the the little mini, you know, European games, we it's probably about right. I'd say it's probably about right. Yeah, and I think as well, the good thing is that I think. With the Champions League and everything else, it will probably be more this year, I'd say. Especially as we go further in, in that tournament too. Hopefully. Hopefully yeah. we go all the way. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, I remember I remember reading, I definitely know last year, from what I remember, from like the Swiss Gamble stuff, it was about 24 or 25 million we, we got from match day revenue. Um, and yeah, it is somewhere between 750 and a million dependent on what the game is xyz wow which is incredible which is actually incredible if you if you think about it i mean it's listen we're just we're just paying for their apartments we're just a cash cow for these man <laughs> they might as well be the glazers because who are they investing in what 15 million for doherty 15 million for hoybeard scrimp scrimp fc bro button this club bro Get rid of that board. I want to see armpits. I want to see <laughs> silverware. If it means calling in the man them from the... Listen, there's a Qatarian that's about to purchase United. We're finished. This guy's going to... You think Todd Bowley spending 600 M's was something? This Qatarian's going to spend a billion. Cash! Cash clean! Oil cash! We're yeah, finished! I'm I was looking at some of the numbers. I, th- I think I read something like the actual family is worth something like 30 something billion, and the 8 billion is like a drop in the ocean to them. Apparently. A drop. A dr- Listen, you man, I'm telling you straight up here. Obviously, I hope God blesses us all with riches and everything, but you, you most certainly do not want me to reach billions. Because if I reach that amount of money, I'm purchasing Spurs. And every single footballing fan that is not a Spurs fan will hate me. You think Todd Bowley's bad? You don't even know what I'll be up to. What's that? Huh? You might go enough to Sterling. Yeah? How much you bid for Sterling? 36, yeah? All right, cool. Make a quick phone call. I'll give you 40 million. 
I, I, find exactly. it, I, I find it hilarious that the first player you thought to try the side is Sterling. <laughs> I gotta help my brothers, in it. He's suffering over there. I gotta help him. He's yeah. suffering over you there. He is up. suffering, bro. He is suffering big time over there. Man came back to London and his bruv is hell. It's hell for him in Chelsea. Hates it. Suffering racial abuse every week. What for? Come to Spurs. Free transfers. When is his contract up? Oh, no, he probably signed a death row contract. He's done. Half of them youths have signed a death row contract anyway. They're there for like 7, 7.5, 8 years. That's how they've got around it. Yeah, the game is the game. You know who you know who we've been like all the you know obviously this rumor mill now in it but you know they're saying that this summer we want to go after three centre backs. I put it in the group. You saw the names, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Lads, be prepared. Bastoni, Mark Gehi. Lads, yeah. be prepared. We are about to sign Anderson. That is it. Yeah. We're not signing none of them. Man. Yeah, we're signing none of those guys. We're gonna like, sign them. like I personally, I'm not gonna read too much into it. I'll look into the players and they're they're all you know their situations at their clubs, but the actual uh speculation of it all no nah, we I ain't signing none of them. Anderson is our next purchase. Remember I said and Toby's going to call him my, my whatever country he's from. So that'll be after Ben Foster, yeah? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If, if I see that brother and his vlogs, I might lose it. <laughs> Daniel Levy is such a ledge. Oh, <laughs> but wait, I, might, I can't wait. I might lose it, man. I might lose it, man. Uh, you know what? I've been to, I've been to Watford enough times... Uh, over the last two years to tell you that that guy is not good in goal. Like, he is just not good in goal. Why are we linked to him? Why? Goalkeeper cover? Nah, man. I'd rather we call Dazanigo back. No, haven't we got Brandon Austin still? He's still in, in, in the club ranks, isn't he? Is that is that you know? I'm not going to say something again. I don't mean it in the nice, nicest way possible, but it probably is going to come out. Is he a real person? Yeah, he's yeah he's he's our third goalkeeper in the squad. Brandon Austin, hundred percent. What country is he from? English. Uh, you, you know what? Honestly, I thought you were going to say America. Got help by the run. Right, I'm with Owen on that, bro. Sack him. Listen, I ain't got time for it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Lloris to inject himself with, I don't know, some French equivalent of steroids and get back onto the pitch, bro. But he freaking got hamstring injuries or whatever, bro. It's because he's been drinking too much wine. And you bust up your knee after a victory. What's wrong with this guy? And I think I know where he got the knee injury. When he jumped on Kane, celebrate. I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that challenge of Rodri right at the end. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't. What is wrong with this club? This is what I was going to 
get into because we just can't have nice things. Like there was a press conference earlier today from uh, Stellini. It was like, oh, we've got no injuries other than Loris, and then it comes out that Basuma's having surgery on a stress uh, stress fracture in his ankle. So we've got some unavailable players for Leicester. Um, just I guess Romero's suspended as well as Basuma being injured, and then. We've got Huibier suspended for AC Milan. But we'll cover, I guess, the the Leicester game first. What's the uh, initial prediction given the uh, the personnel available? Oh, we're going to lose. I haven't said that we're going to win a game since... Coming up to two months now, and I'm sticking with it. We're going to lose 3-1. Who would you start out of Sanchez and Tanganga? Jesus. You would start Jesus? Okay. Tops, who would you... Uh, what would your prediction be? Uh, Wait, is that really the only choice? I mean, okay, like, it's a funny one because... I guess so. Uh, Romero, Romero being out. Romero's out. I mean, in my head, I was thinking just because of his defensive... Just because of his... Doggedness against Man City. I just don't see how Emerson doesn't start. But then, if he doesn't start, like, is this the kind of game that we would want um, Poro to start? Like, in my head, I was like, if he trusts Emerson enough, why not just play Emerson at right centre back? But then, in my head, I was like, that doesn't even sound right. Like I don't even like this guy at right back, let alone right wing back. And I'm thinking to trust him as a player on the ball in any sort of automation, any sort of build-up. I don't think it would work. In an ideal world, I need someone who can play that role well enough to allow Emerson to start the game and maybe Poro come on. So if, if I look at it from that perspective, then it has to be Sanchez. So then Sanchez and, Sanchez and Emerson on together. the same side. Yeah, those two, when they start together, it's, it's utter chaos. And do you know what's funny as well? Is that all of a sudden, Leicester, you know, they've built up a little bit of form outside of, uh, I think, a loss to Forest. You know, they're, they're really picking up points. Um, FA Cup wins. Uh, decent decent result against Leicester, against um, Brighton a couple of weeks back, and then Aston Villa. Who Aston, Aston Villa, Villa was so poor. Uh, but, in which yeah. they've got, you know, they've got their main talisman back, which is never good for us uh, in James Madison. So I have no. If I'm honest with you, even based off how we performed there last season, I have no idea how we, how we will play um, because. I generally don't know from week to week how we perform as a team. But Leicester is a game that Kane seems... I think he scored the most amount of goals of any team. So I, I imagine he bags. Um, and he always seems to do so away from home too. Uh, it shouldn't be a difficult one. And it's it's an odd three o'clock game that we don't play very often. Um, but when I look across their team as well, you know, even outside of Madison and Barnes, uh, I'm not like particularly 
I'm not particularly moved. Not particularly moved. Uh, so it's the kind of game that I'll I'll have a full sense of security, and then we'll just lose. So I'm just going to go into it with a mentality that I've had with most games this season. I'm just going to see how we get on. I have no predictions. Fair, fair. Um, who starts in Hoybeer's place and Bissouma's place against AC Milan? Given that the first leg is at the San Siro as well. And anyone, I, think, really. I think we go I think we go with skip this weekend. You know? I think so too. Uh, I think we go with skip just because I when I on think the weekend pro- though. I think yeah, Hoybeer will I, play on the weekend. Of, when I think of the profiles Oh no, Hoiberg's still playing on the weekend. When I think oh Hoiberg's still available on the weekend. Pissed. Yeah, so he's oh, he's suspended sorry. in the Champions League. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Then if if that's the case, yeah, I imagine it will be Hoiberg and Benton on the weekend. And I imagine I think it will be Saar and uh it'll be Saar and Benton uh against AC Milan on on Tuesday. Just uh and the reason I say so is just when I think about our current profiles, uh, I've watched the last two games into uh, AC have played. And normally in, in midfield, they've been going with uh, Tonali and Krunic. Uh, ben is back for Spurs, apparently. Oh, oh is he? Is he? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a key returner. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think we're going to be too. Um, what's the word? Risk averse. I, I don't feel that. I, f- I actually feel this is a game for the taking. Um, AC Milan. I feel like even though they've been in a bad run, they're going to want to try and get themselves out of a bad run. And I want us to go there and just compound the pain. You know, just make it even more difficult for them. Um, so they're going to probably want to, you know, give a good account of themselves. But I feel like we have enough um, across the pitch. To really cause them problems, I, I was watching the last few games they played. Sassuolo at home, um, Inter at home. They don't, they don't, they don't look great at the moment. But Champions League is is a completely different kettle of fish. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a sketchy one because um, even when they had a lot of these players available, especially Mike Maignan, yeah, um, who's not available for Spurs, but when he was available against Chelsea, like I watched both those legs and. This is part of Chelsea. They made like they made Milan look super mid, like, yeah, super super yeah, mid. Uh, um, it's a obviously because... getting sent off in the first half in the San Siro game, but still, it's... they have lots of like it's odd as well because you know when you look at their team, they've got lots of talent all across the team. I mean, you know they're the current Serie A champions. Um, you know we're talking about. Charles de Catalere, you know, we're talking about Brahim Diaz, Todali Benasso, Rafael Leal, you know, Andre mm. Revin, Yassin Adli. Like, th- th- these are not, these are not scrubs. But they seem to have not been able to get themselves out of um, a rut. One thing I do think will play to our advantage is that, you know, recently they've just been starting with Giroud and, and Origi and these are kind of players that we kind of you know we can probably get tape on we could probably have experience playing with playing against them um, and I feel like maybe that kind of will work to our advantage a little bit I, you know they're not they're not monsters up front but they're 
they're players that I definitely feel that we can definitely we can definitely manage. Um, Rafael Leao is an odd one as well. Um, I've kind of kept an eye on him since the World Cup, and it's strange. He doesn't seem to start games, and then when he does come on, it tends to be just however he's feeling. Uh, if he if he's in the mood, you know you're you're going to get a killer performance from him. And if he's not, mm, a few take ons, a few sprints. And that's it. Damn, yeah, it's going to be a tense one. Obviously, we have a little bit of heritage um, at the San Siro as well. Uh, not just the whole bail free kick thing, but when we played AC Milan and Gattuso tried to fight a 70 year old in Joe Jordan after we um, we won. I think that was a bit of AC Milan as well. Like This is like prime Zlatan at that point who, who couldn't even. Uh, couldn't even get the edge off big Michael Dawson, so yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Strange times, but triumphant times as well. Tops, thank you for for joining me tonight. Um, say thank you to you as well. He's um, obviously just had to leave us because he's busy doing something. Um, but yeah, that wraps up um, another new Spurs Order pod. Please be sure to check out our recordings. We do tend to stream live on a, a Thursday evening or um, can check out the audio on a Saturday morning. But as for now, um, peace out and come on you Spurs. Come on you Spurs. On debut, Tungay has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.